0: Hi, everybody. Once again, Jeff Cooper here from Classic Christian Rock Radio. We're listening to The Time Machine Show, and today we have the members of The Brave with us, and we're going to be speaking to them. So who do we have with us, first of all, before we get started?
1: Stacy on guitars and vocals.
2: John
0: on drums.
3: Mr. Malcolm, uh,
0: bass guitar. Right on. So we're all good. Okay, so <clears throat> what we can do, I'll go through the questions here, everybody. And uh, you can each take a turn in answering the question. Uh, don't fight over it. <laughs> if it's something you particularly know about, jump right in. So it, this should be fun and free and easy. So let's get to it. So what is your background going up, growing up?
1: Uh, I was raised um, in a family that... Uh, you know, I mean, as old as we all are now in our late 30s, I wish, um, where there were still components to stereo systems. So my mom had a Marantz and a Pioneer wow. in quad sound. and she would play vinyl all day long. I mean, she'd play the Beatles, Creedence, uh, ELO, the Eagles, all the bands that have influenced all three of us so much. When music was alive and well and wasn't you know made up of loops and beats and stuff like that yeah and uh, i was i grew up being influenced by all kinds of stuff that she would play and even though i didn't start playing anything until i think i was about 10 or 11 i started playing the drums um that all harmonically everything that i kind of absorbed from all of that stuff magically just kind of stayed with me so when i started playing guitar i started hearing these songs that i'd listen to forever coming out of my hands and going I want to do this, you know? So, um, I was, I was exposed to just all the the, the stuff that people consider classic rock. Now it's what I listen to on a daily basis mm. when all these dinosaurs actually roam the earth, you know? So,
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those dinosaurs anyway, <laughs> anyone else there? Yeah, I grew up, uh,
2: <clears throat> I grew up, my dad was a drummer. So by the time I was about four or five years old, I was already back there driving everybody crazy with yeah. it so i uh i i grew up my dad listened to everything from led zeppelin to chicago to bad company to blood sweat and tears and everything in between yeah and uh so i just grew up with that in my house it's what i grew up with and uh those styles kind of stick with me today you know and uh i kind of like a little bit of everything. So that's what my past was. I I was fortunate to have a, a musical father that passed it down to me and made it easy for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah.
3: <clears throat> okay. Up,
0: uh, yeah, go ahead, sir, Malcolm.
3: I grew up in uh, a small town in Texas. Uh, all, my, uh, all my family played music, so I grew up around... You know, just about every instrument you can think of. And I started out actually playing drums. And, uh, hey. <laughs> it it's okay. I'm a drummer. <laughs> I'm a drummer too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, as far as church goes, I was, I grew up in a church family. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, Church of yep. Christ, uh, <laughs> at least, at least sort of the division that we went to, uh, didn't believe in musical instruments in the church. So that was kind of, it was always kind of confusing for me since my whole family played music. <laughs> yeah. I didn't really get that, but, uh, but that's how I grew up and it was pretty stuck and, uh, pretty stuck uh, the spiritual upbringing. Um, but then, uh, you know, I got into my teenagers and, uh, then right now. So, uh, that's about when I met Sosie and, uh, that's <laughs>
0: yeah exactly nothing like a musical family i can relate it's exactly how i was told here go beat it out and it's one two three let's go you know my dad on the accordion me on the drums so <clears throat> just yeah. loved it. music growing up um so early bands uh, anyone jump in with uh, some of your early bands and what that was like for you where you started garage bands high school bands uh, marching bands whatever
1: I was always in marching band. I, I was actually a, uh, I was a drummer. Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's where we all start. Yeah. And um, Malcolm and I started playing in clubs in Texas back in early '80s because um, we were we, we had a little cover band that we'd play on the weekends. Uh-huh. Where back in those days, if you we were only like fifteen or sixteen, but as long as mm-hmm. we didn't drink and and we knew an adult, yeah, that was in uh, the Texas bars we were playing at we were allowed in, so oh, we were playing every weekend, I mean, great. as a junior. Senior. And um, we, every version of uh, leading up to <clears> the Brave <throat> of any band I've and me and Malcolm were together.
0: Wow, so, um, there you go.
1: We, 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 yeah, we were playing together. So um, we played together all the way up until the Brave, and after the first album, and music changed, and people's lives started to change. Yeah. Um, it was the first time I was faced with being in a band without my right hand. Hmm. And, um, I, you know, everything goes full circle. And yeah. now here we are again yeah. together. And, and what I, yeah, yeah, when, when, uh, once I decided to kind of uh, reignite the brave, because I thought we had, we kind of didn't leave on our own terms. Yeah. I reached out to Malcolm. He was on, he was on, he played on Rise and he's also on Vs and he's definitely on uh, the next album. So. Mm-hmm. And it, we do from here on out. So, Terrific. Anyone else? Yeah, I grew uh, up, yeah, go, John.
2: I, I grew up playing uh, in clubs as well. My dad mm-hmm. was doing that stuff. And he, by the time I was about 15, he was passing off the gigs he didn't want to mm. me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, can you feel in for so me grew, at the Legion so, today? <laughs> yeah, so I'd play <clears> everything <throat> from, you know, old country stuff to yeah. top 40 to whatever, whatever the gig was yeah. at 15 and they'd have to come pick me up in their car and load my drums in cuz I wasn't driving yet. Yeah. And uh take me to the gigs. I had to spin breaks outside <laughs> and uh yeah. But yeah, that's what I did and then, you know, the LA scene happened. I was in bands uh Sahara and a band called Keeper and then I joined the Brave. Mm-hmm. And uh did that during the Trust era and then like Stacy said we all went our own ways. Yeah. Life takes you those ways and then uh all of a sudden here we are making cool music again. Exactly. So. That's good. So yeah. while... having
1: a blast by the way. Go ahead. It... I said having yeah. a blast by
0: That's good. So all three yeah. of you were you in the original Brave? I was not. No. Those I... two were. Okay, yeah. but some were along the way and now you're all back together.
2: Yes. That's good. Oh, no, great. I came, al- I came along <clears> during the trust era <throat>
0: when trust came along when right Randy on. went to singing. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So you had a uh, how many different singers has the Brave had in in their history? Two three or three?
1: And there's the question.
0: Yeah, because I'm confused. <laughs> I've tried, you know, listening to the music. Okay, that's different. Oh, that's different. That's different.
1: Well, I'll ta- I'll, ta- I'll take this one. Go ahead, um, Yeah, I will be. I'll be the first singer. To have done two albums in this band, really, and and I was one of the original members, so it was me. Yeah. And, me and Malcolm were, were there from the beginning. But the thing is about our band is everybody sang. Yeah. So yeah. At, at the time, James just happened when we did Battle Cries, James was just a great singer, and all I wanted to do was play guitar, and I didn't. Even, I didn't even know if I could sing other than backgrounds. Yeah. But I knew my little brother could. So when when James left the band and music changed, I thought I got an idea, and so Randy you know, who was walking around singing Queensryche songs like yep. it was nothing. Yeah. <laughs> said, Why don't you start singing? And it took about six, six to eight months to convince him. But finally, I convinced him and the label
0: uh-huh.
1: uh, to let him sing. And, and he was great. But then, you know, obviously, Randy passed away about yeah 13 years ago, 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, so in t- 2014, I wanted to do an album to to not only memorialize the brave, but Reignite myself musically, I think like like Malcolm has been. John's been doing it all along, but yeah, me and Malcolm have kind of been in and out of it. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. so, what would happen though is uh, we—I had a drummer at the time named uh, John Zimmerman, mm-hmm. and his wife. I played in a previous band with, her and I loved her voice. She's a lot like Pat Benatar, if you haven't heard the Rise album, right? Yeah, and yeah. So I, you know, what have I got to lose? I mean, I'm out in the middle of nowhere, and I've got two friends that want to make some music, so let's do it. Yeah, and. People didn't really accept the rise singer so much, even though she—I mean, everybody you're talking to right now will tell you that she was amazing, yeah—and a great person as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the idea came up of since I was always writing all the songs and sending demos out, Freddie, uh, who was in and out of the band all the time—I don't ever know really when he's in the band—but he was telling me, uh, you know, why don't you why don't you just sing it? You always teach the singers how to sing your songs anyway, so why don't you give it mm-hmm. a try? So mm-hmm. I thought I had no <clears throat> interest in it really, like, yeah. like demo for evie's and freddie sent it to john and john was like is that an old demo of randy (laughs) and uh when he told him it was me john was very encouraging and and so was malcolm and so i decided you know what let's just do this it wasn't ever a role i saw myself in so after evie's got so um positively received yeah um i don't think i've had a lot of negative press about no you know no the, the sound changes yeah. You know we've maintained like the brave mm-hmm. and um, it was kind of easy because the songs lend themselves to my singing anyway, because I'll yeah. go writing the songs you know all mm-hmm. way back to Justin and Big World and waiting, I wrote all those tunes, yeah, and so this will be the first time going into our next album, which we're already knee deep in the middle of cutting tracks for right on. uh that singer has survived more than one one album
0: terrific. who's doing all those wonderful harmonies I have to ask
1: That's Malcolm and myself wow okay I was gonna say where'd you get the
0: Elefante brothers from but yeah <laughs> <laughs> were they they Maybe were in, they up. were involved with you early on right yes yeah that's probably the thoughts but you learned a few, few tricks from them obviously um, tell us a little bit about uh, different producers for the albums um, what was it like working with them
1: well it was what it was everything <laughs> that um, at the time you know for those that, that don't know John and back in the um, Early 90s, late 80s, John and Dino, uh, John obviously being the the former lead singer for Kansas. Yeah, yeah. uh, Him and his brother, Dino, started a Christian label, and everything that came out of their studio sounded big and very Mutt Langish, you know? Yes. The sound that we always loved. Yeah, me too. So we wanted to know how to do that, but we didn't know how to do it because there was none of this digital stuff like there is now. Right. You know, as we sit here speaking right now, I'm sitting in front of my console, which Uh is 327 monitors and all touchscreen. We didn't have any. So we're a little spoiled now but the, yeah. the the beauty of it was um we were playing we were an l.a band so we were playing all around l.a with, with holy soldier and mm-hmm. you know bands like surrender and Str- uh, uh, not striker but um uh, guardian yep and and so we had all these shows where everyone kept going back to the label and the label would ask hey um do you hear anybody good and they go no and then they go well there was this one band and at the time our the name of our band was Spax, mm-hmm. and they would always tell them about us so when we finally after about a year, uh, they saw us live at a gig. Uh, John and Dino decided to get involved with us. And from a production standpoint, Battle Cries is a result of both of them being there. But Trust was a result of music changing uh-huh. and the label Nashville. Yeah. But I think a, a point that most people don't really know about our production is, yes, they produced it. But Neil Kernan was the one that mixed Battle Cries. And he, you would know him from operation mind crime from queens or docking under lock and key right on i mean he was a massive mixer as <clears throat> yeah. well as the, of Jared mcneely who was just a phenomenal talent still friends of ours he actually mixed this album hmm. and we'll be the next one and our christmas song that's going to be coming out in a month or Oh, oh well,
0: can't wait to get that
1: <laughs> uh, so so production wise there's only been <clears throat> john and me
0: good well so, good job so, on you all, all. Hmm?
1: the reason it translates so well jeff is because i lived in the studio the minute we got signed yeah, they couldn't get out of there. I mean, I was like, yeah. I'm going to learn every inch of this Good. that I can, and I absorbed, you know, quite a bit of it. So
0: yeah, it shows. That's why I asked, because the production is just awesome, just incredible. Oh, thank you. Yeah, really, really, appreciate- really enjoying it. Um, what have uh, what other bands have you toured with? You mentioned a few as well. I'm kind of jumping ahead here just my eyes are drifting on my notes. But uh, go ahead, anybody with this one on any. Favorite gigs, any favorite bands you've toured with, uh, bad experiences, whatever.
1: I think the best experiences we ever had were with Bride. Uh, ah. we, play, we, we had uh, Battle Cries out when they had Snakes in the Playground. Uh-huh. And to have to go on stage and follow Bride oh. over and over.
0: You followed you Bride. Don't want to, That's good.
1: You <laughs> don't want to be in that position. I mean, we were, we were a great band, too. Yeah. But we were new. And Bride was seasoned and had been around, and and if you ever got the chance to see Dale Thompson in his prime, yeah, man, he was Optimus Prime. He was a, he was the most amazing singer, I, and I've seen I everyone from Jeff Tate to Chris Cornell to you name it. Yeah, I'm telling you right now, uh, Dale Thompson was the most deadly man with a mic that I have ever seen in my life. Still, yeah. Yeah. He, was a, he was amazing. Yeah, you know, so that the best experiences we have, with with them or with Guardian, mm-hmm. um. We also played a couple shows with Foreigner and Loverboy, yeah, uh, which, which was kind of neat. But um, we never really <clears> knew <throat> them like the, the you know the guys in the Christian rock bands, yeah. And I think the best experiences we ever had were, were playing with Bride and and also with bands that looked up to us that we played with that we got to influence them. Yeah, that was that was really nice. You know, we always we always made time for anybody we played with. We were always we never had an attitude about us. We were always like, man, just thank you for listening. We still that's still how we are now. Yeah, we still can't. People listen to us, you know, that's awesome. Uh, I mean, I paid Malcolm to listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> John says I still own money. So, okay, whatever. There you go. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> Any, and, you uh, know, the best, yeah, go kind ahead. Of say this: the best times are the times I have with these guys. Yeah. You know, from John and Malcolm down to Freddie. Yeah. We're, we're cut-ups. We, we all have great senses of humor, and we appreciate music so much. We're, we're blessed that we're gifted in it, but we have the best time just with each other, I think. Yeah. We talk every day.
0: Yeah. Have you been able to get together much lately? Has it uh, been kind of a strain with that, or have you been able to, uh, I guess, restrictions are being lifted as we speak? So.
1: Well, that's a messy question. John, I'll let you take this. Go for it. <laughs> well, we all live in...
2: Uh, different parts of the country so that's tough but you know i live in nashville uh malcolm's in indianapolis and stacy's in california so it's it's a little tough wow but um but and then i also tour with as a drummer for trace atkins so right on yeah so trying to get us all together at the same time is is kind of kind of tough but it will get there i i have a i have a uh a good
0: feeling about us doing some gigs coming up. I'm hoping so. Yeah. Well, you have to come up this way. At least come to Seattle. Then I can come down and see you. There you go. That would be awesome. Um, Memorable. Go ahead. That's
1: that's run battle cries. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah.
1: We could have made battle cries too, and we had to put on flannels. <laughs> we, it, it, the funny, the funniest <clears throat> thing in the world is how, how we left. Yeah. Malcolm and I left to go out on the road. We were out for three and a half months, and when we left, everyone looked like Fear Not and us and Guardian. Yeah. And when we came back, there's this baby swimming in a pool, and everyone's guitars are out of tune, and we're going, "What happened?
0: What's going on here? Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. So yeah,
0: I didn't. I yeah. My son likes it, but it, I kind of yeah, it's a couple of songs. But I I go back to the eighties a little bit, so <laughs> I still like that sound. I don't know, there's something magic about it. Just the quality yes, is. and the you know the the melodies you, you can't beat. Got to have a bit of melody in there with your hard rock.
1: <laughs> you need so. a little bonnet, you need a little fairy, and you need a little bit of Neil Sean. That's you sure
0: do. You yeah. sure do. For sure. Uh, any memorable gigs, guys? Funny events or funny, funny stories from uh, when you did? You haven't toured yet, obviously, but in, in your other bands, any bands you've been in, any funny, uh, memorable gigs or funny events have happened on the road?
1: I can tell you the funniest thing that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I'm sure these guys, I'm sure John's seen way more than me. but
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well, it was yeah.
0: Trace Atkins, right? <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were playing at Cornerstone. Uh-huh. And we were on a, a side stage, and we were a brand-new band. You know, we, we happened to have at the time, I think there were two or three songs that we had that were in the top 20 at the same time. hmm But Bill didn't know who we were. They didn't know that we could actually play our instruments. Yeah. And um, I always prided myself on that I always had, in the bands I was in, I always have the greatest players that are available. hmm You know, if you ever were to sit in a room with John and listen to him, he would you'd just be laughing. He He does so many cool things. Um, and we play off each other all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Malcolm was a great singer, great piano player, great bass player. Freddie, killer guitar player, killer singer. Mm-hmm. Randy, drummer, guitarist, bassist, everything, right? <clears throat> yeah. Well, so, because of the culture of pachyderm, people often asked us, "Are you guys really the ones playing on that record, or is it all John and, Dee? <laughs> and?" So, so just to kind of put that all to, to death, we wrote an instrumental called um, "Soup and a Biscuit" that no one's ever heard unless you saw us live. Mm-hmm. And all of us on ten, it was a total instrumental. But we just went out and we we're blazing arpeggios and yeah. all of it, two part guitar harmonies and stuff like that. And people would come up going, "We had not Rex Carroll told me that he came in and goes. Why don't they let you play like that on the record?" And I said, "Because we play, we play for the record." And yeah, was, you know, we didn't really have to learn that, but we couldn't. There were a couple of things that Johnny Dino cut out where we were just totally shredding, and they they made us back off and uh, on the first record, but on the second record. I was uh, I was told by Tony Palacios, man, you got to fight for it. you got to fight for it. And I said, okay, yeah, well, then yeah. I will. And I went and did the best I could do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I digress. The funniest thing I ever saw, we're playing at Cornerstone, we're off on the side of, of, of the stage, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: At this point, we've become friends with Dale and the guys in Bride. And we played, um, like, I don't know, maybe around 11 in the morning. And that, um, about two, three hours later, Bride comes on. And... Dale's got his back to the crowd and he's got a hat on. And when he turns around, he flips his hat around and it says the Braves. Uh-huh. And I'm telling you, for one, we all felt so proud wow. and so blessed that, that he gave us such props. Because, I mean, he was very well recognized at the time I and mean, we weren't. Yeah. But he helped us out. You know, he kind of helped break the glass <clears throat> and the crowd nuts. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't necessarily a funny thing, but it still had such an impact on us. That is cool memory to
0: have it sure is wow i love it i love it he's a cool guy He's cut one of our best promos we have when we do the hi i'm listening you're listening to classic christian rock radio i'll you'll have to hear it sometime uh he's such a fun guy great guy so yeah uh what was my next um anyone else with a funny event or story (laughs) i got
2: (laughs) uh i got one that's it was it wasn't funny then but it's funny now yeah <laughs> but, uh, one time back when i first started with trace there was a uh we used to do the opener and everything was midi back then as far as like we used to trigger video mm-hmm. um uh my drum loops and drum machine was midi through mm-hmm. the keyboards and this this rack mount piece mm-hmm. um anyway the the show intro my drum tech would have to go up and push start, uh-huh. and it would play that sync everything together and play. Yeah. Well, when he jumped off the stage after he pushed and play, um, he bumped the rack mount piece that had all the sounds in it, Uh-oh. and it clicked it to a different sound. Oh, no! So it was supposed <laughs> to be all this big mysterious, <laughs> whoa, you know, weird <laughs> stuff going on. And all of a sudden, you just heard like random drum sounds
0: going,
2: (laughs) and all this. We're like, What the heck's going on? So he's up there trying to, he's panicking, trying to get it changed back. Yeah, and somehow he does. That's fine. He gets a change. We jump up there, we start the show. Everybody's already embarrassed and mad, you know. So we get up there, start playing. And right at this one part of the big intro, when Trace walks out on stage, he, they're supposed to pull the scrim down. Yeah, It's on Velcro, uh-huh. and it, it has a Trace Atkins backdrop with the video screen in it. Well, they pulled the whole thing down so you could see the back of the arena. Everything came down, all in one show. So we were just like... This is like spinal tap.
0: That's I was gonna say
2: spinal I mean, tap. That's exactly
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Trace is so mad. Oh, we were boy. mad, but now looking back it's funny. You know? <laughs> That's <so> That's... Good. <laughs> I love it.
0: <laughs> so um has okay, I always bring up this for people, but I, when I say the church, I don't mean any particular church, but how has the church overall supported you or not supported you or been responsive to the band? What's your experience been with them?
1: I don't think we've had any but support.
0: No, you know? just kind of ignore yeah. you and you're there. So and no no blessings from them.
1: <clears throat> um, I wouldn't say that. I, I think when, when we came out, um, the idea of Christian music was yeah. or Christian specifically was finally starting to become a normal thing yeah so the bands that came before us that kind of paved the way you know from the early Petra to uh, you know white white cross white heart anything you know any band that came before us they'd already kind of broken down the doors for us okay
0: good yeah
1: right or blew the whole world wide open so we were we, you know we came in after Guardian which was pretty cool for us yeah because then you know like fear not came along after us and love war came on after us. Yeah. So it was a nice. It was cool to see that at the time we thought Pachyderm was just going to keep building this stable of killer artists because there were so many of them out there. Yeah. I mean we played. We played with bands that never got a record deal. That it's a shame that they did. Exactly. Because they really, you know, great players and things like that. But by the time we came around, the church was more uh, fans of yeah. Christian rock. That's good. I yeah. mean, the. These days, um, I don't really think that there's really much of—I don't know—look down your nose at the rock bands like they used to. Yeah. Um, we never got any of that. Every, all, the church we were a part of—they supported us. They helped us in our decision making. Um, we were always embraced by the church, and mm-hmm. it was weird when you know after service people are coming up asking you to autograph a, a CD, and you know these people, and you're like, why? Why? I still don't. And your
0: that, friend. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> that's good. I, I think uh, you're right about blazing the trails and people have broke the barriers long before. There's always criticism, obviously, but that's coming from uh, all sides. But uh, I think in the end, uh, we're doing what God wants. And that's what's important. And um, obviously, he's blessed you guys. Um, have you been able to make any inroads in what I, well, obviously, if you're a drummer for Trace Aikens, <laughs> John, you've made some inroads. Uh, with secular music, is the band ever consciously tried to, or is your, like, I know of some Christian bands whose, uh, I guess a song has somehow made it onto regular rock radio for whatever reason. Any experiences like that for you guys?
3: I think in the uh, in the beginning, yeah, uh, we were playing the Hollywood scene. You know, that was basically all secular bands. Uh, you know, playing the Roxy, uh, Country Club, places like that. Yeah, and, and we were also doing some and you know, some, some other gigs. You know, outside of the Hollywood scene, that were secular, and and it was cool because you know I don't think a lot of people really. Uh, you know, some of the other bands that we would play with, they didn't really categorize us as uh, a a band so much. Yeah. Because you know, we we, we played at their level, uh yeah. particularly wise. And you know, we'd like we'd go out to soundcheck and uh play one of our tunes and Stacey and Freddie would just start ripping and uh you'd see these secular bands kinda come out and go, Whoa, who the heck is that? Yeah. <laughs> like, so I think we gained a lot of respect uh, for the, you know, for the secular scene back in back in Hollywood, yeah, you know, because we could hold our own musically. So, um, so I think that uh, early on in the Christian scene, uh, it, it was it was it was thought of from the secular side as you know kind of ramping music. Yep. And people came out and said, <clears and throat> like, dang, I should play. Yeah. <laughs> so. Good.
0: Yeah, unless you sounded like, oh, they sound like ACDC, oh, they sound like uh, Whitesnake, or uh, unless you sounded like they thought you were a wimpy band, until some of these bands started like, you know, Striper, Baron Cross, Guardian, The Brave started coming through. uh People started liking it just f- for the music, and I've heard it said they liked the music whether they like the lyrics or not they just like the music i've seen that said on online i've seen you heard people say it so i think that if the talent's there and it's good music uh people are going to like it um some people don't seem to mind what the lyrics are about um as long as they're not you know um negative so
1: well you know the fact is i remember when striper got signed michael said that um that the label, uh, I think it was Enigma they were on, yeah. they had no idea that, that Striper was even a Christian band. They uh. just knew that they were packing places out. Yeah. But who heard Striper, and you heard how good the guitar players were. And, you know, we, we became friends with, with Michael and Oz mm-hmm. during the Battle of the Coast era. And Oz actually almost ended up singing for us when James left.
3: Mm-hmm. But
1: he had much going on. But uh, when you heard them play live, I mean, they were killer. Yeah. I mean, they could play, you know? So <laughs> yeah. I think if... If they would have came in and had church sounding guitars, nobody would have cared.
2: No. Right. First time I saw Striper, they were warming up um, Bon Jovi uh-huh. at the country club. And they were, that was right when She's a Little Runaway from Bon Jovi was coming out and mm-hmm. Bon Jovi was cresting up. And this band, Striper, came on and warmed them up. I'd never heard of Striper before in my life. Uh-huh. And they totally kicked Bon Jovi's butt yeah I mean That's they good. were so so it was so energized yeah you know I've, i I a hurricane that blew opened. me away
1: I, I saw a band called hurricane open up for them so to tell you kind of how they were mm-hmm. they were uh, made up of brothers of famous people in uh, I think it was a uh, uh, I think it was Carlos Cavazos brother Tony Cavazo, mm-hmm. and um, some other guy that was a brother of somebody famous Uh, Oh, uh, Kelly Rhodes, uh, Randy Rhodes' brother, ah, singer Kelly Hansen. Yep. This is how good he was. He's the singer for Foreigner now. Yes. But they were opening up for Striper by the time I finally saw Striper, and that was a great. Hurricane was a great band. Yeah. But they couldn't hold a candle to these guys. I mean, I was like, this is exactly what I want to do
0: here. Yeah. Yeah. They set the standard, didn't they? but uh, they really, do. yeah, really. And they're still going. Yeah. And it's yeah. amazing that their latest album is the best ever. Every time is it always a better. little, little,
2: little trivia for you. Yeah. Um, Perry, their bass player now. Yep. Used to play bass with me in Trace Atkins band. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I actually so heard. Yeah. I heard he was
0: with him for a bit too.
2: He was with him and Craig Morgan. Wow. And, uh, and then back in the day, he was in a band called Firehouse or right. something like that. Yeah, but, that's it. Yeah. But yeah. See, John, yep. you
1: were all the greats. It was
2: <laughs> <laughs> all the greats. Harry's <laughs> a good dude, man. You guys yeah. really like him. He's a good guy.
0: Yeah, he, he comes yeah. across that way, very real. That's good. Yep. Yeah. Well, we're, we love our striper. Um, oh, yeah. <clears throat> so let's see here. Um,. What initiated... Well, you said a little bit earlier how, what initiated the new album, and how long was it, was it between the, this and the last album?
1: I think about six years. Yeah. I think 24 Prize yeah. came out.
0: That's not too bad. And, Foreigner, uh, Foreigner used to do or Boston actually was always eight years between their albums, weren't they? Or something. So that's not bad, six years, but still... Uh, seemed to come out of nowhere, in a sense, because people, I guess, thought, okay, that's all over. We're into techno and hip hop and all this, and then suddenly this great rock album comes out. So, what initiated it? Go ahead.
1: Um, well, like I said, you, you know, we. What happened was after Rise happened, and I tell everybody this story because I love it because it's how me and John got back together. Because I hadn't seen John since before my brother died. It, it had been yeah what, what like 15 years john maybe yeah 15?
2: something like yeah something like that yeah
1: um i'm down in ventura which oddly is john's old stomping grounds. that's where he's from and my wife and i were just down there uh, on a little uh, as the british would say a little three-day holiday <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, i get this email and this is this is uh i think it was after i had already done the rise album right and yeah. it didn't exactly like I was hoping, and people weren't ready for a girl singer, and I thought, well, hey, Eddie Van Halen was considering putting Patty Smythe in to replace David Lee Roth, so yeah. no one's ever done it. Let me see what we can pull off. And I've ne- every, anyone who knows me will tell you, I'm never afraid of what we're missing, because I know God will provide. When mm-hmm. people say, what can you do without James? And I go, it doesn't matter. God brought James to us. In the first, we found him, right? Yeah. Uh, it wasn't, we didn't grow up together or anything. He was about 13 years older than us. And um, so... What happened was I get this email from John, and I hadn't heard from him at all. All I knew was he was playing with Trace, and I was I was totally proud for him. I was totally happy for him. All the drummers that I've worked with always tend to go into great things. Uh, Jamie who who played on Jamie Wallen who played on the Trust album plays for Tears for Fears, mm. and Scott K who we all have played with before in various bands. He plays for the Commodores, and then you know John's with with Trace. Mm-hmm. So I get this email. And he's going, Hey bro, I just got to ask, what the heck? Mm-hmm. how come I wasn't asked <laughs> to play on this album? <laughs> and, and we started getting, and I'm going, oh, you're playing with Trey Zatkins. I'm in the middle of nowhere. I didn't think you'd want to play on this. But you know, he let me know in no uncertain terms, and it really hurt his feelings because, one, he and I were friends, but I wasn't as close with John as my brother was. Mm-hmm. I am now, but you know, not mm-hmm. just by default. Yeah. But um, we all got along, always. But John and Randy really had a kinship. They really, They really were tight kind of like me and Malcolm Moore, you know? Yeah. Um, and, um, so after that I thought if I ever, am going to do music again as, as the brave John, John's going to be involved with it. Mm-hmm. So, um, Freddie, I started talking to Freddie and Freddie goes, well, how many songs you got? And I go, it doesn't matter how many I got. I can write them like that. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, that's what I do is I write songs. I mean, I, I'm writing all the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so then John heard me singing and he started talking to me and I, he goes, Dude, that's he goes, I can't believe this is your voice. This is awesome, man. Yeah. And I said, Well, you know, uh, I got another one I can send you tomorrow. So I just one by one started sending songs to him. And every one of them he was like, You've got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. And Malcolm, you know, Malcolm and I have always known each other's abilities. So Malcolm, I don't think, was really surprised. He was just surprised that after all these years, what the heck were you waiting on stage? And I'm like, Well, I never wanted to sing. I want somebody to I wanted somebody better than me to sing, mm-hmm. you know. The good news is, is being that I never sang a lot. I haven't blown my voice out. Right. So that's here. You still so have something. it. Yes. Yeah. And so this is all new to me. So for me, I'm only getting better. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, we, we pretty much had the die cast with the song, Evie, um, you know, Evie's little garden. Yep. And we started building around it and it wasn't a problem of not having enough material. It was a problem of stays quit writing songs. So, we had more than enough to do. And I don't think we rejected any, right, John. I mean, we pretty much every yeah. song I threw guys, it was like, yes, let's do it. Um, yeah. So that's how it came about. A lot of conversations between me and John and then deciding what we were going to do. And, and then me and Malcolm. And and at the time, Freddie, and we even thought Fred was going to be a part of this, this next record, but I, I don't see it happening. He's got too much going on in his life. But, yeah. um, um, but once we decided to do the album, it was, let's do this. And there's no turning back. Let's, yeah. Put it, the thing that we feel truthfully, and this is all three of us, is missing from the current scene is quality music. Yeah. The reason everyone's drawn to classic rock is they rocked. Yes. And they wrote great songs. And I mean, I, I feel like I learned from Lennon and McCartney. I learned from John Fogarty. I learned from Steve Perry. All of these great bands and great producers like Mutt Lang and John and Dino all end up in do you have a good song? Yeah. Fortunately for us, that's all I've ever done is written songs. Yeah. So um, we've we've got somebody to choose from right now. I I don't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'm, I'm working on our Christmas song today. Yeah. Which the guys have at the end of the day, and um, we're going to put that out. You know, close to Christmas, Great. and then um, we're already halfway done. I would oh let's well, say we're about a fourth of the way done with the material that's starting for the next album, which is going to. Well, we've got the title, but we'll leave, we'll leave that alone. <laughs> yeah,
0: you'll have to get your Christmas song to us before then, so we can play it. We, we do a whole bunch of Christmas stuff, so <clears throat> not a lot, just enough. <laughs> so, tell us. I love the cover of the album. Tell us about the title song. You just talked a little bit about it. Uh, uh, Evie's little garden.
1: Well, uh, when I whenever I'm writing, it's um, I always tell people that I kind of feel like when I sit down to write. It's not an effort. it's just sit down and I start playing and just see what God's going to share with me or some yeah. days it's just practice. Some days mm-hmm. it's just so I can play. But when they come, they usually come to me pretty much all at once. I mean it yeah. they, they just you know each section leads into the next section. I don't, have to, I don't have to struggle with it and I certainly don't mean this facetiously. yeah thank God I have this gift. but I always feel like if I don't sit down and catch whatever song you throw in my way, it's going to go to somebody else.
0: right. Okay, because so, uh, God's got the song in mind, right?
1: Absolutely. And someone's absolutely. gonna sometimes write it, the yeah. Time, the whole chorus, sometimes it's just a melody. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I can just get the smallest kernel and it might turn into a worship song. It might mm-hmm. turn into a song about child abuse. It might turn into the song tells me what it's gonna be. Right. Um, you know, it's it's the funnest part of, of this whole process for me. Mm-hmm. But I considered myself a lyricist because I'm such a fan of the the people you know that are such great lyricists. Yeah, that I ne- I I just thought I was kind of putting words down, but I always had a concept, and now it's different. Now I feel like I've 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 paid my dues, and I've gotten to the point to where I, I can write good lyrics. And yes. so when I have a when I have a um a song that I'm you know just a man was a pretty good uh, example of. I knew then that I was like, I'm writing stuff now that pe- people can identify with running yeah. all my life. I mm-hmm. knew that people could identify with. Me. And so now with Evie's I was talking to somebody and I said, you know, somebody needs to, to write a a song about the garden of Eden how, of how there was innocence that was snatched right. by deceit. Yes. You know, so going back to the, then I, I thought a lot of the people, especially with all the, the, the garbage that's sold to kids on what, truth and
0: mm-hmm.
1: and lies are yeah um i thought i don't even know if kids these days even know what the story of adam and eve is no so i thought well, do it in a cool way that i think is kind of you know it, it'll be rhythmic it sings well that's one of the things john taught, john elfonte taught me was make sure whatever you write make sure that it sings well because you're gonna you have go. the greatest lyric in the world <laughs> yes Sing right it ain't gonna work that's the advantage you know? of being the
0: songwriter isn't it
1: yeah Absolutely. You know? And a bigger advantage you're a songwriter and you're letting the Holy Spirit kind of direct it. Amen. Because how can you yeah. go wrong, right? Yes. So you know, when you have the right spirit about it, you're not looking for a hit. You're looking for something that you think will, will matter to people. That's right. That's the difference between rock and regular rock is you're looking for something to share with people. It's not about you. It's not, hey, look at this solo. I know I can play. I know John can I know I know that I can't play something that John plays on the drums. Mm-hmm. That's how good it is. So yeah. I yeah not about look at what we can do we're very proud of when we put something together musically and it comes out right
3: mm-hmm. but
1: it's more about let me share this with you and hopefully it'll bless your life hopefully it'll, it'll give you some answers or some comfort or some hope you know um so evies that's what it was all about it was about trying to write something that could bring the old testament into a um current with a current rock edge didn't sound dated um uh, and it kind of, it was a good vehicle to tell that story because musically we, we all love it. I mean, it, For sure. if we do play live, that's going to be one of the greatest songs to play live. I can't oh wait.
0: God. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Yes, absolutely. Um, what was I going to say now on, um, yeah, I had a thought about that. Um,
1: I will tell you on EVs, the one thing that yes. really makes it come out is, uh, Malcolm and John.
2: So yeah. the,
1: the rhythm, rip- if you can't get into that i mean yeah i don't know i mean you have no soul yeah yeah
0: i was going to say early on with record labels uh they tried to get you to write songs they they didn't have that in mind necessarily they wanted hits didn't they
1: well, John and Dino, um, it was a real balancing act. With if you got signed to Packard, there was there was some compromises on both sides. You know, I mean, John and Dino had to be convinced yeah. that you were gonna that you try something, but they would let you try it, and if it worked, they knew it worked. Yes, but they also songwriters themselves. So um, outside of I think Guardian and Fear Not, maybe Love War. Both uh, Petra and us, there was a lot of involvement from them on arranging for us, and it isn't because we couldn't arrange or we couldn't write. No. Yeah, but it, uh, I think the style of Petra and the style of the Brave lent itself to John and Dino's style, so it was a, it was kind of a it was a playground for them too. Yes. It was something where they could get their chops into, and mm-hmm. we didn't mind. Like no. okay, fine. no, absolutely, um, but they did want. You no, know, they did want. You're you're right about that. I mean, John. I don't know how other record labels ran it. I don't know how they did it, um, but I know that you know um, there's something to be said for finding the right partnerships. Yes, because when you look at bands that have different producers, mm-hmm. you get mixed results. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. you know, I'm a big George Strait fan, and I always appreciated that Tony Brown was always his producer. Yeah, he didn't. That's why he always had consistent quality stuff. It was never. It was never, you know. Well, this one's good, but I don't like that next one. It was, you know, everything that that we're gonna put out from here here moving forward, we want it to be pleasurable to listen to. We want people to go, I can't wait for that next Brave record. Right. You know, it's not about money for us. It's not about. I mean, granted, we would love to do this successfully where we could afford to to make our living doing it, but if you don't have, you know, good songs will always find a way. Yeah. I mean, if you write something that's that's killer. And you know it's killer, and and people verify that by listening to it and saying, man, that's a really nice song, or man, that really moved me. That means something. That's better than money.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So let's just say uh, the pandemic goes away. We <laughs> were dating ourselves. This interview may be heard 10 years from now. And I wonder if they'll even know what we're talking about. What are your plans in regards to touring? Do you plan to get a tour going or are you happy to be doing studio for now to see where God leads you?
1: Um, we would love to play together. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're not strangers to each other. I no. know how John plays. I know how Malcolm plays. Mm-hmm. and uh I it, for us to do this live, we'd need a couple more band members, yeah, because you can't you know we got this new song called Gravedigger. yeah, and there's probably forty eight vocals on the backgrounds, maybe uh, more, yeah, and I can't do that by myself with me and Malcolm right, what really <laughs> <laughs> no you could
0: you could record your tracks and then play them in the background and then when they cut out everybody wonder what happened. No, I, <laughs> <laughs> I heard those horror stories. Oh, yeah, a couple of couple of girls in the band, and maybe uh, you know keyboard player. Then you're on tour,
1: <laughs> right? If uh, if we if we, if we don't really have plans, you know, you, we're, we no. kind of. I hear God laugh. Tell him your plans. Yeah, but we do uh, through prayer and supplication. We do pray about. It, yeah, you know, for, for us to go on the road, we would need a record deal. We've yeah. reached out to Frontier Records. Which we think would be a good fit for us. Yeah. Um. A lot of our fans have reached out to Frontiers Records, mm-hmm. and you know we have a lot of belief in that because when we got signed to Packarder, we would tell everyone we're going to be on Packarder, no one believed us, neither right. did we. Yeah. But we, our hearts said that's where we belong. Yeah. So, um, you know, we 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 could care less whether we were signed by a secular label or a Christian label, mm-hmm. but it could not be like, um, you know, Packarder. They their record deals were really just to make the records. Right. The only record and then anything you did outside of that you had to do on your own so right. there was no tour support uh this band would need tour support right you know we i can guarantee you doesn't matter our age you could put us on stage with anybody and nobody would have any regrets
0: yeah give give michael sweet a call eh? <laughs> right, right yeah that'd be great that would be a good tour um you Bloodgood and striper how about that That'd be a good be, one. I I would love that.
1: Or even less fear not in striper. That would be great
0: too. That would even be better. Absolutely, <laughs> I love it. Um, you told me you're into the, halfway through the next album. Um, when do you think that will be coming out? And what? Uh, so the, after you've recorded, what's your next step from there to get it out?
1: Well, uh, the way the whole process works, which we really didn't know until we did this the last time, you know, you had mentioned the artwork of uh, Evie's yeah. little Garden. I found that guy on fiber. Wow. And he ended up with buddy and he's just amazing. I yeah. mean, he that was his first draft. I mean, you know, when I hired him, he uh, he says, you know, I'll send you two versions. We never even, I don't even know what the second version would have looked like because when <laughs> I saw that, I said, exactly. It's awesome. That's exactly yeah. what we wanted. Yeah. And, you know, on the, front of the album, it's all bright and cheery, and she's reaching for the apple, snakes in the tree. Mm-hmm. But on the back of it, or on the inside of it, all hell's broken loose. Yeah, and it's blooming, mean, yeah. there's a bite out of the apple. And I thought, visually, man, this guy told the story we're telling in the song that the scriptures tell, you know? So uh, our process is different than most people's. I think Fear Not's kind of dealing with a lot of this right now, too, because they're all in different states as well. Mm-hmm. We have a pretty good system. Of I've got a hard drive here at my house. Everything originates my house and I just moved into a brand new studio today's my first day in it as a matter of fact mm-hmm. so after this is over I'm working on the phone right. um, so I'll I'll cut basic tracks I might have you know 80 or 90 tracks I might have six get it as close to what it should sound like as possible then I'll mm-hmm. send it to both John and Malcolm and on their own schedules they both have their own rigs at home they sit home and they, uh, you know, Malcolm's putting together a pretty nice little studio. John already had one.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but between the three of us, we, we all have top quality. So they'll sit, That's they'll listen great. to what what the song is. You know, John has never sent me what the drum tracks were because I could, I, I'm not trying to tell him what to do. And Malcolm doesn't send me what I played. They know it's open to interpretation. Yeah. So there's no... You know, I think if anybody looks on the back and sees that it was produced by Stacey Roberts, well, that's just because I put it all together. Yeah. But it isn't because I sit and go, play this, play mm-hmm. that. They're, they're walking I uh, you know, we're fans of each other. Mm-hmm. So they like guitar parts. I love their section. <clears throat> I'm, I'm not. Yeah. So they will cut their parts and send them back to me and then I drop them into the session and then I'll have to, the the only bummer for me is usually I have to turn around and recut my guitar parts because I cut all my stuff to a, a click or a, a, a drum machine. Yeah. And we get that live feel, you know, John, John is very much like a John Bonham or a Pat Torpy. I always tell him, uh, mm-hmm. from Mr. Biff. Yeah. He's got so much feel and groove. And so does Malcolm that sometimes playing to, you know, to perfect timing doesn't work. Uh, yeah. not, not because my timing's perfect, but you know, a metronome is a metronome. Yes. So you got to play on the beat, but then John, like, uh, I'll give you a good example as, um, uh, we're not in Kansas anymore. When I got it back from John, it had such a big, fat vibe, and he did some things that I'm like, "Oh, I got to play up. I got to match that." And so, um, I send him something to inspire him. I send something to Malcolm to inspire him. They get inspired and send new inspiration back to me, and then I got to reinvent what I did. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work. Yeah. And uh, make it work, but man, the synergy that we have is stupid. Mm-hmm. So they're killer. So- so the overall process, let's just say we did this for 10 songs, which will probably be done. I would say around end of December, 1st of January. Yeah. Um, because now that I'm into my studio, uh, my output's pretty quick. And I used to have to, you know, we cut a little garden. I just, my studio was in a bedroom and I could only, we, the house was so small. I could only cut when my wife was gone. So usually <sighs> I was really getting weekends. Yeah. Now we live across this road <clears throat> I walk across the road and I'm in my studio so I can do it at any time, day or night. So it really, to put an album together when everything's right, it'll it'll probably only take us a month and a half to put an album together, Mm -hmm. maybe two months. Yeah. And and then, then, so we, we do all these songs and then what I have to do is I got to prep them and I send them back to J.R. McNeely. Who's worked with us since um, battle cries, just a super talented guy. I know him and uh, John and J.R. hang out in Nashville because they both live down the street from each other. And they didn't know it until about a couple couple months ago. Yeah, that was wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we send them to JR. One by one, he sends the mixes back. You know, he works a day job too, so he sends them. He works on them as he can. Yeah. But he's relatively like, quick. I'd say about a week 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 and a half per song. Mm-hmm. And then when that's done. We send him to a guy named Brad, um, uh, for Euphonics Mastering in Nashville as well, and he masters them. Once that's all done. We place our order for our CDs and our and our vinyls, and um, we set a release date. Yeah. So. So overall process here, the next album probably, and we may as well tell you the the next album is going to be called Grave Digger. hmm We've already got the single. We've already got Grave Digger cut, and it's it's a beast of a song. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like the Evis as a single. You're going to love Grave Digger. Awesome. Uh, and we're growing together too, because we you know now we're learning each other's ways and. Uh, the most deadly thing that could happen is us getting getting a record deal and being able to be together. Mm-hmm. Because um, you know, one of the thing's I got to tell you about John and Malcolm—they um, don't waste any time. Mm-hmm. When I send something to them, I could get it back in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. You know? So, you know, John could be out on the road. Malcolm uh, does IT, so we're all still living life and still have to work and provide for our families. But the turnaround's pretty quick. So the whole process. The writing process, if I had to write an album, it'd maybe take me a week or two, mm-hmm. because I'd sift through, through some things I may or may not like, and then the ones I like, I would send to these guys and see what they thought, and if if ever one of them say, you got anything else?
2: Well, yeah, I always have something else, but I don't... Yeah, but I, that's never been said.
1: Not yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <clears throat> okay, so uh, any of you jump in with this one, too. Uh, what do you do when you're not playing music? What, what is there? There's something
3: other than music? <laughs> right. I pretty much just, uh, you know, work. Uh, yeah. cause I work in IT and I work from home. So, uh, you know, I have pretty much work at IT whenever I want to. Um, so I can have a pretty flexible schedule. But, you know, uh, having a, having a large home is a lot of responsibility and a lot of work. So I did a lot of projects around the house and uh, I'm a big gym rat. Uh, I probably go six, seven days a week to the mm-hmm. gym. Have yeah. A, a pretty heavy regimen. I'm good not cha- like, you good know, shape good. then. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What's the gym?
0: What's the gym?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, who's gym? <laughs> oh, that's
0: great, Malcolm. Awesome. You're living your best life. That's the way it's said today. Uh, John, what do you do? You're not doing uh, playing with Trace. Yeah, pretty much. Music is most of my time. Yeah. Between that and the Brave and
2: other recording projects come my way, but um, when I don't have that, I man, I like hopping on my Harley and just getting some wind therapy and right on. You know, get away, and then I like old cars, so I like tinkering and restoring old cars and stuff. Right on.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I love it. And um, Trace, yes, I haven't got you yet. What else do you do besides sit in your studio like I do?
1: (laughs) No, you're thinking of Trace. No, John plays- hey. sorry.
0: Yeah, go ahead. I'm just mixing. I'm looking. <laughs> I'm looking at faces on my screen going, now. Who said what? Who said what? Go ahead. Who hasn't spoken yet?
1: <laughs> Let's go. I with don't that. do music. You, that's, you've that's, talked
0: most of the time, anyways. But go
1: ahead. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, that's all I do is music. Uh, yeah. Outside of music, uh, my wife and I own a grocery store here in okay. town, and that, uh, that helps me buy all the cool
0: gear. Of course. Yeah, that's what I say. My job is just what helps me do what I like to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Right? clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. Uh, my questions keep this iPad. I hate iPads. tell you some stories about that. It keeps jumping down every time it restarts to uh, from screensaver back to the top of the questions again. Okay, so what else do we have? We want to know uh, what would you have done? If you hadn't gotten in, into music, any thoughts of where would you be if you never played the drums, guitar, bass, or sang? Uh, what would you be doing today? Do you think? Well, man,
2: would, for me, yeah, for me, I think. Take... Sorry, Malcolm, you won't go. Oh,
3: okay, I'll just go quick. Uh, yeah. I, would, I would have probably played uh, football. Uh, football. To yeah. And done that whole thing probably. I like that. Uh, uh, thank God I got into music because uh was man. <laughs> it hurts it hurts too much.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'd be I'd probably be in prison. <laughs> oh no. Oh, really? Music mu- music say, saved me from I, a lot of Yeah. I grew up in a bad neighborhood uh-huh. in Southern California and uh you know, it saved me from a lot of stuff that a lot of my friends went through i can really and,
0: yeah
2: yeah and uh but if i wasn't doing this for a living you know if this wasn't what i've been fortunate enough to do then i'd probably be doing stuff for cars restoring yeah. old cars and doing something
0: like that
1: yeah you know? yeah i think for me um, i just grew up with a, with a really bad family dynamic i mean malcolm's mm-hmm. family pretty much helped to raise me yeah I think I, would, I was just like a lonely kid. I can't imagine having to face it without a pick.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, so yeah. the minute that, that I picked up a guitar, it was over. I was like, yeah. I don't have drums anymore. I don't want to do anything except sit here and figure out these Beatles chords. Right on. And I wasn't oh, smart was. enough to do that. So there, yeah. you
0: there you go. Everybody's playing the
1: right <laughs> instrument. <laughs> <laughs>
0: awesome. Yeah. But I, had
1: I... If I'd gotten into music. I probably would have uh, become a maybe an architect. I always liked uh, drawing things. I always, always liked to have good penmanship and stuff like that. I probably would have done something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I took up the drums because my my fingers are too short. I couldn't reach guitar chords, and it, it really hurt. So I thought I'm going to beat stuff instead. And I'm, I'm happy I did anyway. Um, let's see now. What advice would any of you give to new musicians? There's not many left, are there? Um, Everything's computerized to some degree. What what would you say to someone who's starting off? I'm a songwriter. I want to write songs. What would you tell
1: them? Uh, For me, I would probably tell them to join uh, one of their companies like Taxi, Mm -hmm. where you can get your stuff heard and possibly placed where it needs to go. Because You know, when you look at the odds of what it would take for somebody like John to go to Nashville and be successful in Nashville with one of the biggest artists, those are pretty big odds. Yeah. So, you know, you got to have a lot of faith and a lot of hope. I would tell somebody that whatever you do, the same thing, a a good song will find a way.
0: Yes. Write
1: every bad song you can to get it out of your system. Right. Write every bad song until finally somebody goes, you know, that one's not so bad, because then you know you're starting to, You know, Malcolm knows my first songs, and they were anything but good. (laughs) Uh, But at the time, they were all we had, so we still learned them, we still played them, and helped me to start developing the craft. Mm -hmm. You know, the songwriting is is two-part. Part Part of it is a craft, and part of it is just God-given talent. Yeah. If you recognize those two things and find out a way to make them work, if you got a great song, I mean, I think if if I would have wrote Let It Be, it wouldn't have mattered if I was in the middle of a honky-tonk in the middle of Florida that was out of business, a fly on the wall would have heard it and said, well, that's a good melody. Yeah. You know, so the, the best thing you can do is work at your craft no matter what. Because this industry, it's not sustainable anymore and everybody knows it. You know, yeah. the streaming art, I mean, we're, we're played all over the world two or 3,000 times mm-hmm. a month. Yeah. Even before Emis came out. Yeah, And we make nothing. We own 100% of, of Emis, and we make very little. We, we make enough to be able to, to keep putting stuff out. That, yeah. That'll do <clears> for now. Yeah. But this bottle won't sustain itself. So at some no. point they're going to realize that life is bigger than whoever won the voice. Right. You know, and and there will be bands once again and there will be people that are still they're going to keep buying guitars and they're going to get together and because there's a, there's something that happens when John starts playing and I play a guitar and Malcolm plays a bass, it's magic. Yes. And when you felt it, you got to have it. Yeah. So I w- I would say just perfect your craft and and keep your fingers crossed and just you know wait for this thing to heal itself.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always my son my son's in his twenties now. And, yeah, and a, a killer little drummer man. Uh-huh. He just okay. And well, uh, and my always my advice to him is always just man, two things. When it's no fun anymore, stop. Yeah, because that's 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 what you should be doing it for first. Mm-hmm. And then and then second is you got to try and make the other guys happy don't worry about what the drummer on side stage is watching you thinks worry about what the guitar player the singer the bass player right because those are the guys that are hiring you that's right not 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 another drummer so don't worry about that killer chop you learned last week to try and impress that drummer because now you're going to make the Guitar player, mad, and he's gonna say, ah, Let's not hire this guy anymore. Mm-hmm. So, there <laughs> you go. So, always, always play <clears> for the <throat> song. You yeah. Know, always play for the song. Yeah. Always.
1: Yeah.
0: It's
2: one Which
1: of nobody does better than John.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's where less is more, right? Yeah, sometimes, sure. Yeah. yeah. Well,
1: not in the brave. <laughs> in the in the brave more is more
0: <laughs> more is more the more you get the better <laughs> yeah. yeah so you touched a little bit on it uh there's not a, not a lot of money in music unless you've got a franchise going where you're selling t-shirts and and hats and things and even i've heard even on tour they don't make they don't make much money on the tour it's on the on the um merchandise right
1: Absolutely. It always has been like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. People think, oh, these people, may, you know. But unless you're Paul McCartney and <laughs> Phil Collins, uh, it's just small potatoes, right?
1: Right.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So you told me, I think, earlier on, you all listen to classic rock, so that's a good thing. Uh, and country rock, of course, I guess. Do you call it, Trace, would you call it country rock? I think uh, today's country music a lot of it not not the not the uh georgia florida lines anyway the 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 real i guess i would call uh trace and and um keith urban and that to me to me is very southern california rock has that background that's where it comes from i've told my daughter you know you're listening to a lot of my old classic rock really right
2: yeah you're right i think I think country music's evolved into that, you know? All music, you know, evolves. So yes. if it didn't, we'd still be listening to Hank Williams, I know. you know? Yeah. So so it, it it evolves. Some of it I don't agree with. Some yeah. of it I do. You some know, it's all overdone. personal
0: taste. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah
2: but you're right. <clears> I think that would classify. I think what we hear in country today is more like what we would call Southern rock back yeah. in our day. Absolutely. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I also think that uh, Seattle had a lot to do with where country music went.
0: Yeah, sure. When
2: you they were filling a gap,
1: picking these cool riffs, country yeah. said, "We got this. Hold my beer." Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely, yep. for sure. And I think we talked a little bit about this too. So, I guess, what do you think of the music scene today? I think we kind of talked a little bit about that, how things have changed. Uh, any more comments on that? I think we've, is there, is there hope for music?
1: There's always hope huh. for music.
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, where
2: music stopped for me, a lot of it rock wise was, you know, when it got so grungy or techno, you yeah. know, it kind of went two different ways yeah. for me. Yeah. And some of the last of the best <clears throat> bands were like King's X and stuff that I, to this yeah. day, I can't get off my, Playlist, you know, yeah, um, yeah. Um, so, but I, it'll come full circle. I think it really will. I
0: Good, think, yes.
2: That's my opinion. Yeah, I think I so. It does anyway. you know,
0: I've I've actually seen. Uh, well, there's a I guess online where you see it all now, and sometimes on some of these shows there there's there's people covering these classic rock songs again and trying to um, write new stuff that's in that vein. So that's very promising you know. It's, Absolutely. I think, um, yeah, for sure. Uh, when you hear, uh, you know, Bobby McGee being done by a young fellow who's way too young to remember who uh, <laughs> right. Janice Joplin was, it's very encouraging to see music. Or
1: Chris Fitzpatrickson.
0: Exactly, exactly. So, right. I mean, that's where it all began, and uh, it seems to be, it, it, it's, I think there's always hope. That's good.
1: Hot. Well, the thing is how there's kind of a placebo on music because mm-hmm. it's, you know, kids don't understand. It's great that you can go out and see, you know, Poison or when you can see Van Halen or whatever and they were considered classic rock. Yeah. But I think everybody was hit in the face when Charlie Watts died because it made you realize yeah. you're not going to forever and what are you going to do when all these bands are gone?
0: Right. Yeah, man. Someone's got to pick up the slack and, and take over.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's good. And it, it's inspiring when you see people say that their favorite drummer was John Bonham and they're only in their 20s, you know. And yeah. why did you hear that? <laughs> you know, I worked in a high school for years and uh, I asked kids and a lot of them just, just loved, you know, Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix and all. I thought, really? Yeah, my dad had all these records and they listened to it. So that's good. And as long as there's radio somewhere that's, um, you know, putting it out as well. Uh, that's it's uh great
1: and tribute bands, I guess. Well, it's it's why a band like Greta von Fleet can yep. be popular. It's not because they bring anything to the table, they're no. just doing z- that's right, and that's okay. I <laughs> no, nothing wrong with that. I like no, it, no, I know? love and, it, and and killing
0: it, too.
2: Exactly,
0: I mean. yeah,
1: and yeah, kind of just like Credence, I'd be thrilled to death,
0: absolutely. You know? Yeah, or the
1: next Beatles or the next Journey. I mean, where are they because I know they're around,
0: they sure are, yeah, you know, yeah. I have no problem with a band replacing a lead singer who's lost his voice with someone who sounds like him. You know, it's right. You know, you touched on that earlier uh, with Forner. You know, it's uh, it's great, and they're uh, doing okay. So yeah, they are phenomenal. Yeah. Okay. Any final thoughts, guys? Uh, This has been awesome. Absolutely enjoyed it uh, big time. So, uh, any final thoughts for the listeners today? cricket <laughs> don't, don't jump at once <laughs> bueller? bueller you guys are you guys are all too polite are you sure you're not canadian like i <laughs> waiting for each I w- other I would,
1: say, um, I would say that that uh, the thing i want people to know is that the brave is back yeah that it's we're not in the perfect conditions to where we can go out and play everybody would love us to play and we would love nothing more than to play for you all yeah but um if God wants that to happen, mm-hmm. you know, no one can stop us stop it from happening. Amen. If it happens, it'll be glorious and it'll be the most fun we've ever had in our lives. But one thing we can guarantee you guys is we're going to continue to provide brave type of music, which hopefully draws on all those influences that we've all talked about. Yeah, you know, from Electric Light Orchestra to Chris Cornell to the yeah. Beatles, to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Led Zeppelin. Where a great thing about this band is. If we want to move in one direction we have the ability to do that yes but we try to give a wide variety you know i think a, a testament to evie's is and most people don't know this but evie's is the first all original um album we've put out wow. ever yeah um on battle prize we would have put our all over on stuff we have way more than enough material but that wasn't in the cards mm-hmm. uh because of our label and second album same thing rise different scenario but um for those who have heard Evie's Little Garden, thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the thing that people were treated with was the fact that we're a very diverse, with a wide range of musical influences, band. As a matter of fact, this Christmas song, the guys are kind of excited about it because it's kind of reggae, which mm-hmm. we've done nothing. But uh, we all know how to do it. Yeah. Uh, but I think that uh, the diversity that, that Evie's brought, uh, Gravedigger is going to bring every bit as much of those kind of changes. You're not going to know what to expect. So, uh, just stay tuned. we're going to keep on providing you with with music that entertains the listener but more than anything glorifies our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So. Amen to that. Amen.
0: Anyone else want to jump in or is that sum it up for you? Uh, I think Stacy summed it up pretty good, yeah well, thank you, uh Stacy and uh Malcolm and John from the Brave. This is classic Christian rock radio time machine uh you've been listening to. We've enjoyed the Brave. And uh, we thank you again, guys. It's been an absolute blast.
1: Thank you, Jeff. God bless you, man.
0: Thank Thank you. you.